You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. When this is being released, it's officially Valentine's Day. All right, Valentine's Day. Here in our culture, this is about romantic, lovey-dovey, all that good stuff. And, you know, even back in school, this is probably one of my like top two favorite holidays while in school, you know, elementary, you bring those little uh, Valentine's cards you give to all the different people in class, but there's like a little special one you give to the person that you really like, you know? And of course, as we grow older, this becomes a more romantic thing, you know, special dinners and chocolates and all that good stuff. And by the way, back in the day, this is probably, I don't know, maybe seven years ago, eight years ago now, I did a TEDx talk in Las Vegas. It was called TEDx Sin City, appropriately. And I did a talk about how chocolate can save the world. And I talked about some of the benefits of chocolate, specifically cacao, you know, the the natural, the place that chocolate is actually developed or maybe underdeveloped or mutated from and all the different benefits. And some of those really surprising things, like why is this so associated with love and with the heart? Well, funny enough, cacao, you know, this raw chocolate is arguably one of the most rich uh, foods that contain magnesium, all right? This is concentrated more than any other body part. Magnesium's concentrated in the human heart, all right? What? Because, you know, it has a lot to do with, you know, by the way, magnesium has over 325 biochemical processes that we're aware of that means there's 325 things plus that your body cannot do or cannot do efficiently if you're deficient in magnesium. I tell people this all the time. It's so important. Like we're walking around. It's the number one mineral deficiency. At least 80% of the population is chronically deficient in magnesium. So we're walking around with bodies and minds that are not fully functioning because this one deficiency, right? So this is why this has its resonance with the human heart. That's just one of the reasons, you know, it has these cardiovascular benefits, clinically proven cardiovascular benefits. It also has these interesting compounds that are like uh, neurotransmitter and neurotransmitter precursors like serotonin, also phenethylenes, all right? So, or abbreviated as PEA. And this is associated with this kind of in love feeling, this kind of euphoric feeling. When we're in love, we have more of this in our system. All right, so I like to give the association this kind of wake up moment of love and how we really experience it. It isn't, we think that love is outside of ourselves. Like, I love you. you, you make me feel this way. But in reality, nobody's sprinkling like magical love dust on you. And if they had that stuff, that's some serious, like they're getting paid, like there's some serious illegal stuff, all right? But you're really producing this within yourself. You know, it's your response to your environment. It's your response to the person and we produce these things within our own bodies. Chocolate gives us some of those neurotransmitters, right? It gives us some of those hormonal compounds. It's why it's so fascinating in our culture. You know, this is, it's like, because I had the question, like, how did this happen? I love you, here's chocolate, right? It actually has a strange root. So I thought that was really interesting. And by the way, you know, I'll put in the show notes way back in the day, way back in the day. Uh, but it's a pretty cool talk. And, uh, you know, we could just talk more about this. There's MAO inhibitors, so many cool things. But, um, but definitely it has a, a root in this association. And so what I wanted to do today was to take us outside of that paradigm of this uh, external love 
and look at something else and something that is equally, if not more important, as you'll understand today, in your success in life, in your health, which is self-love. All right. And so this topic is incredibly important and it's very rich in content today. And so we're going to dive in and, and truly unpack this concept, how this can show up in some kind of really interesting clinical ways. And most importantly, how we can actually develop this so that we can be on top of our game. So that we're taking the best care of ourselves with our, our physical health, with our relationships. It's, it influences so much. And I promise you, it's going to be an absolute game changer for you. Now, but on that romantic note, though, before we get to that, I got to talk about my sheets. All right. I sleep on attitude sheets. All right. Everything that I do has a purpose. And attitude is antimicrobial, self-deodorizing. It inhibits bacterial growth to help you to create a healthy sleeping environment. It's free from harmful chemicals, irritants, allergens. It's hypoallergenic. You'll be shocked to find out how much straight up nastiness is in conventional stuff that we buy, you know, sheets. So I highly encourage, even if you buy just the random like sharp, you know, there's some of these sheets are sharp. Once you have attitude, you'll know just how sharp these sheets are. Uh, but at least like, don't just go and put them on your bed, wash them first. All right. Wash them first, but you don't have to worry about that stuff with attitude. Now, here's another big reason why I love it. It's breathable, moisture wicking. So it wicks away sweat and leaves your skin feeling cool and natural. So it's thermal regulating. This is a big word. And this is something I talked about in my book, Sleep Smarter. It's thermal regulating. These bamboo lyocell sheets can be used all year round because they help to keep you cool in the summer and warm in the winter, all right? They're thermal regulating. Now this is again, this is made of the finest organic bamboo lyocell. This is 300 thread count, which is as fine as 1000 thread count Egyptian cotton. But this is good for you and also good for the environment because it's only consuming one third of the amount of water. There's so much water and resources used for cotton. The, the industry uh, is really like a big kind of uh, a suck or hurt on our environment. A lot of people aren't aware of that. But also here's the other key, the bamboo lyocell, no harmful chemicals are involved. The, the farming of cotton utilizes a lot of chemicals. It's just part of the culture. And so again, be kind to your skin, kind to the planet. You've got to get yourself some of these attitude sheets. You will truly understand. Like it takes sleep to another level. Like, have you slept on a cloud? Have you? All right. This is like, it's this the real deal. It's so good. I just got some brand new ones put on my bed yesterday. And this, uh, this coffee sheets is the color. And also these are, they're actually ground fibers built into the threading. So it's like, has this additional like antifungal property to it. It's really amazing. But I want you to get yourself some, head over to attitude.com forward slash model. All right. So it's Attitude with an E. So it's E-T-T-I-T-U-D-E dot com forward slash model and you get 10% off your purchase. Now, here's another cool thing. So people that might have been rocking with me with the Attitude back in the day, it was coming from, you know, the companies based in Australia and they do a wonderful job, such a great team over there. But getting the shipping down and getting that right, they've got a brand new U.S. shipping center now. All right. There's no reason you can't get your hand on these sheets. And... It's a luxury for less, by the way, because it can sound, oh, this is fancy. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cost a pretty penny. Well, they have in-house design 
and they work directly with the manufacturer. And so they're selling directly from there without any crazy markups, high retail, that kind of thing. So you get it from them and uh, it saves a lot of money. So again, new US shipping center, attitude.com forward slash model and you'll get 10% off. And oh, by the way, I just got the new PJs. They just came out with the new PJs, all right? So the PJs, the same material as like with the sheets. So you're walking around. It's kind of like, it's kind of like wearing a love song, all right? Have you ever like put on love song pants? It's just, I can't explain it to you, but try, try it out and you'll understand what I'm saying. All right, again, attitude.com forward slash model. And also keep in mind, you get a trial as well with Attitude Sheets. So you can actually sleep on it, dream on it, think about it. And there's a time period you can actually return it if you don't love them, but that's nuts. You will absolutely love them. All right, so again, check them out. Attitude.com forward slash model, 10% off. And now let's get to our iTunes review of the week. Another five-star review titled Beautiful Soul by Angelina P95. Sean, thank you. You are doing amazing work providing such crucial information about health on every level, mental, emotional, physical, to everyone. You've inspired me to change my life around and focus on improving my health. I'm eternally grateful for you and all the knowledge you bestow upon us. I love listening to every episode more than once and taking my own notes so I can soak up as much information as possible. Words cannot express my gratitude. Much love, Angelina. Oh man, Angelina, that was so incredible. And I received that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, really filling up my cup today. And by the way, this episode is gonna be one that you're gonna wanna listen to over again. And that's really immersion right there, everybody. You know, And that's something that I did coming into this field and really kind of figuring these things out and finding a way to be of service and to, and to find a way to cultivate and hone my own gifts is I would immerse myself. I listen to lectures over and over and over again, becoming part of it. Like it literally became a part of my life and I became a part of it. You know, it became a part of literally my brain tissue, you know, just it's so fascinating to know that the things that you expose yourself to actually become a part of your physical structure. And we get to pick, we get to choose what our environment is. You know, we're not at the mercy anymore of like, you know, it's just one thing. We're today, we're literally world citizens and we have access to infinite information and uh, whatever you're passionate about or you're interested in, you can make that a part of your reality. So truly powerful. Guys, thank you for leaving me those reviews over on iTunes. I truly, truly appreciate it. Uh, if you've yet to do so, pop over there, leave me a review. Come on, let's go. And uh, I, it just means the world to me. So thank you. And now on that note, let's get to our topic of the day. Today's topic is how to love yourself more, how to love you more, and the importance of self-love and how to cultivate this. Because you know everything that we do here on The Model Health Show, it has a scientific basis behind it. And there's a drive because this, this could sound a little bit like airy fairy. It could be a little woo woo woo. But sometimes some of that matters and some of it is real and, and some of it is backed by science. There's a lot of things that we still don't understand yet. And this is a new blossoming field of psychology right now that you know some of the major universities are really investing in is positive psychology. Because for years, I mean decades, and this is even when I was in school, uh, psychology and, and health was really based on the focus of problems, like just looking at disease and looking at disorders, right? Not really looking at what do we do to create a healthy, sovereign, enlightened, uh, a thriving human being. Like, what are those fads? Oh, just eat, drink, you know, have some community. No, it's not that 
it's not that simple. It's not just something to brush off. It's like, it requires more education. It requires more thought. It requires more intention and a shift off of the problems as well. And so I think it's important, you know, of course, we still do need to understand the problems that come up, but positive psychology is where things are really moving towards. And today we're looking at a big facet of that, which is self-love now. So what is self-love? Well, bottom line, uh, love comes in many forms. You know, there's devotion, admiration, compassion, support. These are all kind of facets of love. And self-love is simply having those feelings or that identity within yourself that those things are necessary, that those things are a part of your psyche, that you have those things for yourself. So self-compassion, self-admiration, self-devotion, self-support. All right, now, here's a really interesting thing uh, on self-love, a little bit of research. So there's a 2007 study by researchers at Wake Forest University, and it suggested that even a minor self-compassion slash self-love intervention could influence eating habits, all right? Now for the study, there were 84 female college students and they were asked to take part in what they thought was a food tasting experiment, all right? Now, at the beginning of the study, the women were all asked to eat donuts, all right? They asked to eat some, some delicious donuts. And one group was given a lesson in self-compassion with the food, all right? And so, the instructor said, I hope you won't be hard on yourself, you know, for eating the donut. And they went on to say, everyone in the study eats this stuff, so I don't think that there's any reason at all for you to feel bad about it, all right? I hope that you're not hard on yourself. There's no reason for you to feel bad about this. Like giving them permission to not feel bad. Now here's what happened, this is fascinating. Later when the women were asked to taste test candy from a large bowl, all right, large bowls of candies, the researchers found that women instructed to have self-compassion actually ate less after hearing the instructor's reassurance, all right? Those not giving the reassurance of having more self-compassion actually ate more, all right? So let's, let's, let's look into this. Like, what does this actually mean? So having this activity that we would deem to be bad behavior is like eating a donut, right? Especially if you're vying, and they mentioned Many of the women in the study were vying to try to get healthier, to lose weight. And you eat a donut, it's like going to be built in oftentimes with a lot of shame, remorse, guilt, and these associated terrible, terrible feelings that really shouldn't become uh, packaged into those things, into that behavior. It's just not, it's not conducive to any type of benefit for, for us at all, really, you know, and again, but in some instances, they can be helpful if we learn from them right? If we actually see, um, you know, this particular thing is a, a guiding light to something else, but that's very difficult to do. How about we just move away from that and have more self-compassion? So giving them permission to say, you know what, it's not a big deal. I had this and you can move on instead of what the research has indicated. And this was their theory. The hypothesis says that the women who felt bad about eating the donuts ended up engaging in more emotional eating. So that's the problem. That's like the double-edged sword. You know, we have this guilt and the reoccurring emotions that come along with that leads to more emotional eating. You're like, I already messed up, fine. You know, I need comfort. And so not having that self-compassion can be a driver. You know, again, like we've got all these fancy diets and exercise programs out there. 
doesn't matter if we don't have the basic psychology down. It doesn't matter if you're trying to you know, do this particular diet, if you're beating yourself into submission, because I promise you, suffering does not equal health, right? Suffering, like those two things are on completely different ends of the spectrum. But oftentimes what we believe we need to do is suffer our way into health. Now, to be honest, in anything in life, you're gonna have points where, the, where there's gonna be some challenges. Right? There's gonna be problems. There might be hardships involved, but you don't have to suffer. Right? You don't have to suffer. Oftentimes our suffering is created internally by ourselves and the, the language that we choose to use and how we communicate with ourselves and the way that we identify with ourselves. Because how often, if you really think about it, do you speak to your friends and family in a kind manner? And some of the things you say to yourself, you would never say to your kids. You would never say to your best friend. You never say to your parents or somebody that you care about, all right? But when we're, again, we're gonna unpack why this is, what's going on behind the scenes. But I want you to understand that the main per person that we need to begin to have some compassion for and self-love and self-support is ourselves because that language that we're using is our programming. All right, it's literally hardwiring the way that we operate and it's affecting everything. So what does it affect? Well, number one, it affects your relationships with other people, all right? Your, your self-love and self-compassion affects how you function in relationships, particularly how you conduct yourself in the relationships and the standards that you uphold. Because if you don't have a, a sense of self-love, your standards for what you allow in your life, it's gonna be pretty low. All right, people is gonna be able to hop right over the, the little teeny, little tiny little gate. All right, it's gonna be able to jump right over that. There's not a lot of uh, self-love and self-respect. Uh, so the standards are in inherently going to be lower. So I hope that makes sense. So cultivating self-love helps to ensure that your uh, red velvet rope of your life and the, the influences that you're allowing in, it exists. All right, and everybody just can't jump in and influence you. All right, it gives you a sense of, of, of sovereignty and of being empowered to know that you have the right to have good people in your life who support you. So I hope that makes sense. Now, another thing is, um, what does self-love affect? It affects how you take care of yourself. And this one might be a little bit more uh, easy to understand because there's a certain amount of self-love that results in an attitude of, there are just certain things that I do, right? Because I love myself, there are certain things that I engage in because I care about myself. I care about my mind. I care about my body. And also there are certain things that I don't do because I love myself. You know, we subject ourselves to things sometimes that we wouldn't subject other people to, right? The, the kind of anguish and the things that we might put in t into our bodies, you know, the foods that we eat, you know, uh, if you think about it, like you wouldn't give this to, you know, uh, an infant, you know, in some cases, right? Oh, they're too, they're too young for a hot pocket. All right. Let's wait a couple of years. Right. But you just ate the hot pocket. Right. So these are things to think about. Again, your self-love affects how you take care of yourself. Also your self-love affects your work. It affects your work for sure. And how you show up and how you perform, all right? This should be pretty obvious. Also your self-love or level of self-love affects the choices that you make. Now, big choices in like what you do for a living. Your, your self-love 
the, the love that you have for yourself, the, the self-support, self-compassion determines the work that you do and what you decide to do, like a big choice, what you are capable because you have this love for yourself and admiration for yourself of doing as far as your work. And then even small things like what you choose for a snack, right? It affects your decisions every day, all day. And finally, one other thing that I'll share here and there's many other things is that your level of self-love affects how you deal with the challenges in your life, all right? This is a whole different operating system when you have cultivated a healthy sense of self-love versus um, not having that and how you show up and deal with challenges, all right? And uh, again, we're gonna dive in and break this down even more today. Now, already you can sense there's like a basis of like, this is something important. Like I should have this, I should, it sounds obvious. But yet and still, many of the people listening right now have a big issue with this. And I know for certain that I did as well. And where did this whole thing come from? Where does our neglect of self-love come from? You know, I want to really break down and look into some of those pieces because oftentimes awareness, just the awareness of it starts to heal it. The awareness of it starts to bring it to the, the forefront of your consciousness so that you can actually address it. And uh, I want to go back because usually a lot of stuff happens during childhood, but kids, kids are generally very self-aware and care about themselves a lot. Like there's a lot of self-compassion and self-love that kids naturally have, right? Because for kids, their happiness matters a lot to them, right? They just want to be happy, right? They just want to do, and you'll notice this when Kids are, are able to do the things that they enjoy doing like they are blissed out and they cannot stand doing things they don't want to do, you know? But, you know, of course, it's like there's some balance with that for sure. So it's not just about like, oh, yeah, everybody gets to do what they want to do all the time, all right? The parents are there as guards and guardians to help to provide a, a way, right? So I'm not saying that, you know, this is like some kind of like kids just go and do whatever they want. That's how the solution to this, that's not what I mean. It's just ad admiring and looking into that and just seeing this innocent, curious, blissful nature that we tend to have and this self-love and the things that we enjoy and how kids are like in it. They are so present in that moment and embracing life, you know, and they care, like they really care about being happy. So where does this change? Well, I believe that our neglect of self-love happens, you know, the, the seeds are planted during childhood. And one of the big ones is due to comparison. All right. Our self-love begins to diminish due to comparison, comparing ourselves to other people. And this is a semi-natural human trait, but it's magnified today more than ever because of the advent of, you know, social media, the internet, you can see how everybody's living large every minute, right? And you start comparing yourself and looking at how much you suck how much you don't have this, you don't have that, you don't have this feature, you don't have that. And immediately your self-value, right? Your self-compassion, your sense of, uh, of self-esteem, all those things can start to diminish. And there is an epidemic happening right now with specifically with our children battling every day their ability to care about themselves or to value themselves because they see other people, you know, in their, you know, on the internet and in their, even at their schools and this kind of thing. And, you know, everybody's posting their highlight reel that their life isn't measuring up, that they're not 
they're not smart enough, they're not pretty enough, whatever the case might be. And we need to do something about that. But it starts with us. We can't tell our kids to love themselves and respect themselves more if we're not doing it, all right? So our use of technology and social is just gonna grow. It's not gonna go anywhere anytime soon. And so the best thing to do is for us to address this head on and help to cultivate a healthy sense of self going into it and making sure that our kids are aware that this is something, uh, it's, it, there's a proclivity for this to kind of unfold and to happen. All right, so that's number one is comparison. I think that that starts to pull us away from our self-love. And I love the quote, and uh, I first heard this from Wayne Dyer that says, when you compare yourself, you silence God. All right, when you compare yourself, you silence God. We're ignoring our innate value. You know, your unique, beautiful value that you come endowed with when you get here as a human being. And we're gonna talk more about this, but remember that quote, when you compare yourself, you silence God. Point yourself back to your value, your uniqueness. There's never been anybody like you before in the history of the world. And there will never be anybody like you after. How powerful is that? All right, so that's the first thing. And by the way, so we've got four, there's four main things here that start to pull us away and neglect self-love. So number one is comparison. All right, so let's move on to number two. Number two, this one is complicated, but it's actually really simple, all right? It's complicated, but simple. I know it sounds paradoxical. Hear me out, all right? So number two here is that the first thing when you see, when you actually look up, when you go to Dr. Google and you look up the definition of self-love, the first thing that you see is that self-love has often been seen as a moral flaw. Literally, it, that's the first thing you see when you look up is that this is akin to a moral flaw, to vanity and selfishness, right? And vanity is a sin, right? This is what we're told. This is something that we're uh, indoctrinated with is that having self-love is selfish. How messed up is that? Really? I mean, how, think about that. And you got to think about where those teachings come from, right? You got to think about the people in power telling you that you loving yourself and you wanting to do better for you while I'm over here living in a castle, right? I'm over here doing my thing. Life is good. I want to keep you down, all right? Don't love yourself. Don't, don't have a sense of, of selfishness just to take care of you. Not to be selfish as a human spirit and taking from other people, but having that audacity just to love yourself and to care about yourself, it's wrong. That idea is embedded in our culture. Again, this is the first thing you see when you look this up. Moral flaw, vanity, selfishness. What? Listen, if you don't look at this and start to look at the programming that you're probably carrying around about self-love, you're just going to be a victim to it. All right. We had, th this, is a, this is a problem. This is a problem in our culture that this is seen as something that is wrong and the way that the words can be twisted up. All right. So, that's the second thing. Third here on our um, kind of uh, culture developed neglect of self-love, the third thing is that you have to be and do things that you don't want to do in order to be happy. This concept in our culture that you have to be and do things that you don't want to do in order to be happy is one of the reasons that we diminish our self-love. Now, why is that? Why am I saying that? Is it because neglecting our sense of self is inherently 
one of the problems that start to kind of break apart your self-love and your psyche. Neglecting our sense of self that this is what makes me happy, but then like society or you know parents, that kind of thing is telling you no, you can't, you can't do that. You have to do this. That suppresses your self-love because you know, you know what feels good. You know what feels right for you. You know what's the thing that, that, that lights you up, that brings you joy. We lost track of it somewhere, all right? I promise you it's there. But when you neglect that, you suppress your self-love. And it starts to even becomes a, a, a sense of even uh, distaste sometimes for ourselves. All right, so again, the idea that you have to do and be things that you don't want in order to be happy, in order to be successful. That's a big issue. And then finally, we've got number four. Now, you might have heard the statement that you can't truly love someone else if you don't love yourself, all right? You can't truly love someone else if you don't love yourself first, all right? But that's not true. It's not true at all, all right? It's, it's actually much easier to love somebody else. And here's number four. It's part of the problem is that we know ourselves, all right? We know ourselves. We know our weaknesses, that's part of the problem. We live in this body. We, we, we are very well aware of what our weaknesses are. And so we know where we fall short and we highlight those things in our psyche. And while we do know our strengths as well, we tend to downplay them, okay? They're much like matter of fact because just a part, it's just like who you are. It's like not a big deal. But the weaknesses, we don't downplay those. And why? Because we know where we're imperfect, all right, we know where we're imperfect and we often need to have even more compassion for ourselves than we have for other people because we are very well aware of our weaknesses. All right, again, you live in your body, you live in that mind, you know what your strengths and what your weaknesses are. And so because of knowing your weaknesses, we tend to pull away that self-love and that self-value because we see the problem, we see the flaws and we don't see the greatness. All right, so again, these are some of the things happening behind the scenes that distract or suppress your sense of self-love. And we need to be aware of these things so we can start to break free of it and develop the self-love that can help you to be successful in your relationships, in your career, in your, in your health, in your fitness, all right? Because this is the foundation for it, all right? Now, next, I want to highlight some things, some experiential things that look at some of these four categories and specifically starting with comparison, all right, comparison. Now, this was something that was an uh, unconscious issue for me, but if you know where I come from, then you know why it was a pretty difficult thing to get around. And so this starts with my experience, like even just looking at me, you know, some people probably like, what is Sean? What is his race? What is he, a, is he a Bruno Mars? Like, well, I don't know, right? And so um, just for simplicity's sake, when I use the term black or use the term white, these are simply for the sake of common communication, all right? Because we are all so much more than the color-coded denomination that we label ourselves with. And so this is just for the sake of communication and, and uh, you know, just a reveal. So uh, my race, essentially, we'll just keep it simple of black and white, all right? And um, having that experience of being a, quote, mixed kid, growing up was really, uh, was really different, you know? So this is like the, the early eighties when some of this stuff is like taking place that I'm describing here today. And 
having this issue of being different, like literally I'm the only mixed kid at the schools oftentimes uh, was very uh, challenging for me, you know? So my earliest memories was, you know, I lived with my grandma in a very nice neighborhood, suburban kind of atmosphere. And the school was predominantly white. We'll say 95% white, maybe even 99% white. I don't remember any black kids being at the school. Actually, I'm sorry. No, I remember one. I remember one. And um, having that experience, I didn't know that I was different until the environment let me know that I was different. And having uh, terrible things said to me, you know, and being called those typical names that you would hear uh, as a little kid is, is very confusing, you know? And so I just wanted to be like the other kids. And I remember this one instance walking home from school And I'll never forget this. Mm. <laughs> it's so funny. I did. I had no idea that this would be an emotional connection, but I was walking home from school and these kids were like, you know, calling me names. And we got in front of my house. My grandfather's in the backyard. And these kids just started, you know, these are some white kids. And they said that, um, you know, he's cussing. Like, they're just like, cause they would, you know, they were, you know, calling me the N word. They were saying bad words to me. And, uh, they said that I was cussing and my grandfather, and this is the white side of my family. All right. And he believed them. He believed that I was cussing and he had me to go and get a switch off the tree. And, you know, he whooped me and, uh, you know, that kind of stuck with me for a while, you know? What's so emotional about it is my kids today, you know? I'm definitely not the little boy anymore, but just thinking about the innocence, you know? And I just want to believe that I would be more compassionate with my kids, so. All right, so I just need to take a second, get myself together. And again, had no idea, but that environment, there was so much love and, uh, and admiration and attention and, and positivity. Uh, but those instances can really have an effect on you, you know? And again, I didn't know that I was different and that was kind of the causative thing for that. But everything that we go through, every challenge has a great gift in it. And it really helps to develop uh, an ability to serve, an ability to live at another level. And so I wouldn't take back any of these situations it's kind of messed up, but it's, you know, it's okay. And so here's what's so interesting. That was, that was part one. So after the second grade, I move in with my mother. And now we go from a, a predominantly, we say 99% white school to a 99% black school. All right. Total culture shock for me. And again, I didn't really know that I was different. I still didn't really get it. And now we're in a, I'm in a situation where, um, you know, uh, the tension is different. You know, there's, especially back then, there was this like a proclivity for like attention. You know, I was a light-skinned boy, right? And so a lot of girls liked me, but I had, I started like getting into scuffles with the guys. Like, it's like, for, for me, it's just like for no reason. I very, did not want to be that kind of guy. I was definitely not engaging in, in conflict and wanted to be 
uh, you know, that kind of situation. And so it was like a, a culture shock, but now I'm uh, magnified in my difference again before a different reason, all right? So I hope that makes sense. And so from there, guess what? Go from that back to predominantly white school. Now I'm in the deseg program, desegregation program. Why is that even a name? That's so messed up, right? And so this is like, um, maybe we'll say right around 1990 or 1989, something like that. And again, now I'm starting to really realize my difference and I'm realizing the cultural differences, you know, say this is like fifth grade and, but in society, like I'm catching the messages, I'm conscious of them. And I remember like liking this particular girl who, you know, at this school, most of the, the girls were, were white and her just being like, ew, you know, and like, I'm used to like all these girls liking me. And now it's like. Now, here's what's so funny, by the way. Cut to, I, <laughs> I went to like a, a, a school dance and this was like, I don't know, my junior year high school. It was like a different school and this girl was there and she was all over me. I mean, it was just like, now it kind of like I'd become fashionable, right? And I really kind of grown into my own. It's just like, are you serious, you know? But as a kid in her cultural influences, it's just like, oh, nah, bro. And so again, having that experience and then jumping to the last example I'm going to give back over here where uh, now middle school, I'm around, uh, you know, it's, it's a nicer mix of, of people. But there was this girl who was just, I had, I was totally oblivious to this. And she didn't, t she told me this later because uh, long story short, she ended up becoming my girlfriend, <laughs> but she was walking with her boyfriend and she said, oh, he's so cute. Oh man, big mistake. Because this guy, I'm just standing outside the lunchroom one day with my friend. He literally just came over and just like punched me in the face, all right? Just out of the blue. And one of the things though, and I've talked about this on the show before and I put in the show notes, I actually got kicked out of high school for fighting. I got kicked out of college for fighting. That sound, it doesn't even sound real. And it's so not in my character, especially now. But I grew up in a very volatile kind of, uh, a violent environment after I left my grandmother's house. And so I'm, I'm ready, you know? So when he hit me, like I just, I, you know, I kinda, you know, I put it on him a little bit and uh, I don't wanna give favor to any of that stuff, but that led, that was like a changing, you know, once I kind of defended myself and then the, the, I guess the girl noticed whatever, long story short, um, kind of changed the course of things. And I kind of found my spot in my environment. Like I'm going to be this guy, the kind of like, I'm shy, but I'm also like, I got a little toughness to me. And, but I'm a, you know, I'm a good student, but at the same time, you know, if, if something's going down, like I'm not scared, like this kind of weird duality that ended up causing more problems, but my environment shaped my self-love. And so I walked around with a lot of fear. I walked around with a lot of uncertainty. I walked around with, uh, uh, broken identity and where do I fit in until I kind of find my, found my spot. And even when I did that, that limited my connection to other people, you know, that limited my relationships, that limited my view of life, you know, today, man, I mean, just even this community, like we've got people in basically every country in the world listening to this. How powerful is that? 
How powerful is that? Because we all have this same underlying fabric that drives us. We all want to be happy. We all want to be loved. We all want to experience success. We all want to feel like we have value. We all want to feel like we have purpose and meaning and we're giving our gift and we all want to know that we matter, right? We all want to know that. That's the most important thing. And so in sharing that, I wanted to kind of unpack and and give you a little bit of reason and how I understand this issue with self-love and issue with comparison and that um, I, each of those environments that I communicated, I would want to adapt to them. You know, I'd want to wear those clothes. I'd want to speak that way or, you know what I'm saying? And do the things that are done in the environment. It's a natural thing. But because I was different coming into it, so different, it was very difficult for me to adapt. And I carried that with me and I didn't really realize I was like oblivious to my value until after my health, until after I lost my health, you know, in my, in my early twenties. And that's the reason I'm here, to, I'm, I'm here today. It wasn't just changes physically, as far as like nutrition and sleep and exercise, but it was also a change mentally and beginning to love myself and value myself and to know that I'm capable and to know that I matter. Right. And that wasn't just from it wasn't just from an idea of and, and developing it within myself. My value was also in the fact of like, I didn't care what the other person was. Like taking and learning a lesson from the stuff that I went through, I didn't care if the person was white. I didn't care if they were black. I didn't care if they were uh, Indian. I didn't care if they were uh, from uh, Nigeria. I didn't care if they were from uh, Lithuania, Bosnia, wherever. They were my friend. And I'm just there to help. I'm there to help you to get healthier. I'm your coach, but I'm also your friend and I've got your back, right? That started like it took because I know what it feels like to be different. Working at a university for many years, uh, having students from all over the the, the world to come there at this great uh, practice field, right? I had this great opportunity to engage and to understand like people feel different. Like let me help them to feel more comfortable. Let me help them to feel stronger in their body right? And that can translate over into them feeling stronger mentally. So I hope that makes sense. Now, part of the reason that I do what I do, you know, and I saw, I see this and I hope I can communicate this. There's a video going around this little girl on Instagram and she was being bullied at school because she was dark, right? He said, why do you have that kind of skin color? Everybody else doesn't. Why do you, the only person which has it? And what did you say? I said, well, I'm the only one which has it. And if you're talking about it, it's bad. Did that hurt your feelings? Yeah. And what else, what else do people say about your skin? They were saying like, why do you have it? How do you, how do you have it? Why do you, why do you have that skin color? Why do you have that color skin? Why are you that dark? Why are you that, why are you that color? You know, you're beautiful, right? She was so beautiful. (sighs) 
That's what drives me. It's not just to help people lose weight. It's not just to help people prevent cancer. My mission is to help us love each other more while we're here. <laughs> so that little girl, that's what drives me, you know, seeing that, that video and um, just knowing that that's a part of our culture. And she's the same age just about of my son, you know, and I just want all of us, especially as children, to know that we matter, to know that we're beautiful, to know that we are unique, to know that we're gifted. That's what drives me. You know, it's not just about helping people lose weight. It's not just about helping people to prevent cancer and diabetes and heart disease and all these amazing things. And I've had such a great blessing and fortune to help people to do that stuff. You know, I have people coming into my clinic, you know, 400 blood sugar, like, you know, on metformin and insulin and all this stuff and helping them to normalize their blood sugar without medication, helping them to be free. But that's not what drives me, all right? That's not just what drives me. It's also, again, about helping us to love each other and to value each other more while we're here. Now, I got all the, I got all the uh, cry face on, but um, I want to talk about something else here. And uh, part of self-love is identifying two things, your innate value and your explicit value. All right, it's about identifying these two things, your innate value and your explicit value. Now, your innate value is your value as a human spirit. All right, this is what you're endowed with by you being alive here in this human experience. It's like a, a one in four trillion chance in like you being here at this time with your particular genetic makeup and all this stuff. It's crazy, like you're already winning, all right? One in like four trillion chance. And with that said, understanding your innate value that you matter because you are here. That's it. You matter because you're here. That's one of the most important things to really get. And one of the things for us to uh, push into culture and to help each other to understand and to embrace. And something that so many people today are missing out on. There are people that are subject to abuse, that are subject to um uh, just to like, th there's an important word that's coming up, just just being ignored or being brushed aside. They're, they don't know that they matter. All right, so what can we do to, to make a change in that? All right, so that's number one. These two parts of self-love. Number one is identifying your innate value. If you get that, that you just, you, you matter, that you're valuable just because you are, that's, it's a game changer. But here's another one, is your, this innate value and your explicit value. All right, your explicit value, these are the things that you're competent at or that you're exceptional at. So these explicit value components could be, uh, you know, drawing or singing, writing, teaching, crunching numbers, programming computers, uh, coaching kids, being a good friend, being a, a good brother or sister, being a good mom or dad, how explicit and valuable is that being a good mom or dad 
right? So these are explicit things, these things that you can be competent or exceptional at that you need to start to recognize because that's part of the problem is the things that we're good at, we don't really value ourselves for. Like how often as a parent, for the parents listening, do you acknowledge how much value you bring to the table as a parent? We're taught that you're supposed to do these things. You're not, you could have threw the deuces a long time ago, right? You could have checked out a long time ago. You didn't have to do any of this. You did it because you're special. You did it, and it's not about being perfect because we immediately think about the, the, the messed up stuff, like how we might be messing our kids up. You're there, and you're trying, right? And there's a lot of things I promise that you do right. If you could start to acknowledge that, it really starts to cultivate and build up and repair this self-love, all right? So even out of the sphere of parenthood, but we take that into the sphere of any of these other things, you know, like we take it for granted that we might have this particular skill or, or uh, acclimation to doing a thing or gift, right? So again, we have to look at those two things, your innate value and your explicit value. And also I want to share this little story because part of the process of developing self-love, crazy as it sounds, I'm going to give you a big insight into this, is that we have to decide what we want. All right. So we spend so much of our lives doing all of this random stuff, not truly stepping into our own, stepping into our greatness, embracing this opportunity and being here right now with that innate value and not deciding what we want, you know? And so there's a couple of issues, you know, for me, I was drifting. I was definitely drifting through life until life hit me and things changed. You know, I talked about this recently with Eric Thomas when he was on the show, that you can step into the fire. You can step into the process, like of creating a diamond. You need immense pressure. You need the fire. You need the cut. That's how you get the diamond. The, the cut is what gives it its value, right? So there's no way around this. So you're just, you're going to have to have these things happen to create a diamond, to create a great, phenomenal life, right? At the same time, you don't have to have life just grab you like the claw and that uh, that machine. What's that machine called with the claw that you go and you grab the gifts out? I think it's called the claw. The claw it's, it's, it's called the claw, all right? And so I just saw a little video clip. That there's like a claw game that has like Yeezys in it, all right? It's like these $1,000 shoes. It's crazy, you know? But so life can grab you like that or you can put yourself into it. You can say yes and lean into the discomfort. And I promise like you actually fall in love with that. And it really becomes this exhilarating, fulfilling life experience. But if you sit around and, and coast and don't decide what you want, that's when, you know, the random stuff happens and these seeming like problems come up as well that are trying to get you to really step into your own. So recently, and by the way, let me take a step back. My universe was so small, right? My universe was so small. Coming from the conditions that I was in, you know, uh, again, a very small world, still trying to figure it out, just basic stuff of like, where do I fit in in these two cultures? But I I didn't even leave this city, you know, except like, you know, on a car drive, you know, maybe a couple hours to my grandma's house when she moved down to Piedmont, Missouri. I know you're like, oh yeah, I know where Piedmont is. No, you don't, no, no. This is like the quote, boot hills, like getting close to, you know, we, we called it the country, like we're going down to the country, dirt road, the whole thing. And it's great experience, you know, of being a kid and, and having some summers there and that kind of thing. Um, but outside of that, I had never even gotten on an airplane until I met my then girlfriend, now wife, thank you, 
And, um, you know, I was 25 years old the first time I got into an airplane. Like I just didn't even, it didn't occur to me. Like I didn't, I didn't really even want to go anywhere. Like I didn't have a drive. I didn't decide or determine that that was something that I do. Right. I was very, my universe was very small, like I said. And so what changed and how I'm making such an impact today and literally, and this is crazy to even say this. And I want you to get this with me, as I say, because I don't really get it still. I've impacted the lives of millions of people. I went from this very small universe, barely influencing myself to now that is my reality. And that happened when I actually decided what I wanted. And it's really that simple, all right? I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying there's not other pieces, but it's that simple. And so I just uh, took my wife. She had a birthday recently. <laughs> it's so crazy. Her birthday is on New Year's Day, which is, uh, I'm not gonna say it's a problem, but it's a little bit of a problem, all right? Because, you know, they get the Christmas whole thing. And so I decided to throw her a surprise birthday party and slash New Year's Eve party. And I'm not good at that stuff at all. You know, like when I used to do events back in the day, but now most of the time, you know, people fly me in, I'll do their event, but we would do events and she helped me so much to do this stuff. Like I needed her. There's so many times during the process, I wanted to ask her opinion. I'm supposed to be keeping this secret. The biggest and most, um, the, the greatest like joy for me, a gift for me, was I got her sister here, which her sister lives just about four hours drive away, but she hasn't been here in our city for maybe like five years. And I got her sister here. I snuck them in and surprised her with her sister being here. And so got all these friends and family that are here. And, uh, you know, we did the surprise party. It went off amazing. I have recruited some good friends of hers that helped me. And uh, it just, it was a really remarkable thing. But the gift, I wanted her to be able to pick herself. And so <laughs> she kept on throwing hints about the new iPhone. I'm just, I'm, I love my iPhone, but I'm like, good. Like, I get it. Like, Apple's going to keep on. Like, I'm just, I'm the, like the perpetual fish. We all are. Like, they catch us and they throw us back in. They catch us and throw us back in. I don't want to be a fish, all right? I don't want to be Nemo, all right? And so here's the thing. So she, and her phone was definitely having some issues. I think she had iPhone, maybe iPhone 6 or something like that. And, um, and so we, I took her to the mall to get her a phone, but I wanted her to be able to pick it. And at the store, uh, the, you know, the guy comes over, it's a college kid. And, you know, uh, first of all, I was like, okay, bro, listen, look at me. Look at me in my eyes. Look at me. What happened to the iPhone 9? All right. So you get iPhone 8 comes out and iPhone 10. Where's 9? I know you know something. He was like, I swear. He's like, I've never said this before. I swear on my grandmother's grave. I do not know. I still didn't believe him. But anyway, so we were talking and, you know, I was kind of asking him questions about the product and this and that. And if somehow or another came up that uh, he wanted to, um, you know, he was in college at the time and he was interested. No, this is how it came up. He was interested in what I do. And, you know, he like looked and like went to my Instagram and he's like, holy moly. Like, you know, and so I was like, dude, like I'm from here. Like all this was, was just me deciding on what I wanted to do and, and to help people. And, um, you know, he went to the podcast. He saw that the show was like number one and that kind of thing. That was it. And um, so he just kind of started asking some questions. And I said, listen, the most important thing that you do is to 
decide what you want. I know this sounds simple, but I promise you have not done this yet. He said for him, he knew that he was, he wanted to be in marketing. You know, he wanted to get a marketing degree and do something in marketing. So I told him, and this is the truth, guys, listen to this. The degrees, that's bonus, all right? That doesn't matter, especially today. It just doesn't. You want to put a degree up on your wall? I mean, that's what it really is because a lot of the people who are just dominating in marketing, a lot of them didn't even graduate or they didn't go to school or they graduated in something else besides marketing, all right? And the reality is it's really about doing, being great at what you do and understanding culture. And so what I encourage them to do, and I'm not saying, and I told him this specifically as well, that I'm not saying don't go to school, all right? I think it's incredibly valuable for relationships and for character building. But are they gonna teach you how to be a world-class marketer and to be successful? He told me like, he's like, all I wanna do is to be able to support my expensive clothes taste, all right? So he, he wanted to be in the, like he, he, he wanted the Louis V underwear, I guess, I don't know, but he apparently likes expensive clothes, all right? I was like, you can do that, but learn from the best, all right? So I mentioned a couple of, of, of folks that I've met and had the opportunity to work with uh, some of these people, like, I was like, dude, are you following uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, right? Are you are you following Gary V? He's kind of really popping in culture now. And he has this um, really interesting style that uh, uh, millennials and just, you know, younger folks kind of identify and can listen and learn from him. But he's giving real gems on marketing and on connection. The way he does it, I don't know. It's not for everybody, but for a lot of people, they really connect with him. Andy Frisella, I was like, he lives here in St. Louis, Andy Frisella. It's hard to go around St. Louis anywhere and not see somebody rocking one of his shirts. This is the supplement superstores, right? I didn't even know what it was. I didn't know who he was or that he was, you know, that he was the owner of the company, but I saw those shirts for years, right? And I was like, are you following them on Instagram? Are you looking at their YouTube videos? Like I was giving him the names and stuff. And here's the problem. Here's the problem. Let me explain the problem to you guys. So I asked him, number one, I was like, do you listen to podcasts? He was like, yeah, yeah. And he's works at Apple. So you think like a little bit, mate. I was like, so what's your favorite podcast? He didn't really have an answer because he doesn't listen to podcasts. I asked him, does he know Gary V? Does he know Andy Frisella? Pat Flynn, you know, who's been on the show. And he's like, yeah, I've heard of them. No, you haven't. He, he literally has not heard of them. Here's one of the problems with deciding what we want and doing what we want, developing self-love, is that we don't like to appear to not know something, all right? This is a big human flaw, all right? We don't want to be the person that doesn't know something. So we're like, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, I know such and such. No, you don't. Like, slow down, right? You're missing on the opportunity to learn something. So I'm like, I'm, and I had to work at this, of course, but I'm like, yeah, no, I've never heard of it. Nope. People mention names, products, books, this kind of, no, nah, I'm sorry, I, I've never heard of it. You know, t tell me about it, whatever. You know, like be more willing to be a student. This is part of the problem. We think we got it down and you can miss on the opportunity because I was giving him straight gems of resources that can change the course of his, of his life if he pays attention. He's not like, but eventually I said something that clicked through. I think it was when he saw the podcast and he went and got a notebook and started writing stuff down, all right? Because I guess it gets, you know, it's that see to believe kind of thing as well. And so, again, a big problem with learning and learning quickly is that we don't want to look like or appear that we don't know something. All right. So address that in your psyche because that is not self-love.
That is not self-love. So we kind of took a little uh, detour here, but to bring it back, uh, I think it's really important for this. And these are the kind of like, the number one thing you have to do is decide what you want. All right, that is one of the most important things you can do to develop your self-love and what direction you want to go and make it happen. Now, so number one, why don't we do this? Well, number one, we don't believe that we can have it. You have to address this, all right? So often we don't believe, like you've got an underlying belief that I can't have a, a great relationship. I can't have, you know, whatever dollar amount in my bank account. I can't have this particular fit body. I promise you, if you are carrying around this in your psyche that you can't be fit, you're going to fail. It doesn't matter if you get the, you know, the best workout program, coaching, nutrition, all this stuff, you're going to fail because you don't believe you can do it. You're going to self-sabotage. You're going to find a way to make yourself right. It's called self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Or Thomas theorem. But psychologists have been looking at this for centuries, all right? We literally are creating what we believe, all right? And it takes, sometimes it takes a big thing to come in and change that, or you can change it yourself. Just decide to actually believe that you can't have that thing, all right? Now, uh, number one is that we don't believe that we can have it. Number two, we don't give ourselves permission to actually do it. And this is important as well. The self-love, cultivating self-love, you start to develop uh, the sense of like, uh, of a right or giving yourself permission to actually do or have the thing that you want. And so looking at this concept of giving yourself permission, it might sound really simple, but please don't look past this. All right. So often, again, we're indoctrinated with these ideas that, you know, you can't do this. You can't be this. Um, you know, this is something that you can't attain. You actually have to give yourself permission to actually want what you really want. I know this is crazy because it starts with the belief and allowing yourself to actually want it, giving yourself permission. Like if you want to have a certain relationship or you want to have a certain car or you want to have a certain whatever, you have to give yourself permission to want what you really want. So often we'll, we'll suppress, we'll, we'll allow ourselves to believe that we can have average, if that, right? We'll allow ourselves to believe that, you know, I can get this, but that is out of my reach. And as soon as you believe that, it's off limits to you, right? But you have to start to give yourself permission to actually want what you really want, all right? You have the right to it. And even in the process of moving towards that or in the process of attaining that, accomplishing that, whatever it might be, even if you don't reach it, you're going to be a 100 times greater person in the development, in the character traits that you develop, in your determination, in your strength, in your energy, in your wisdom. The person that you become is really the great gift. All right, because the thing isn't really, you know, whatever, it might, if I'm talking about a physical thing now, but once you have it, you know, it's just a thing. Like we get, we get uh, inundated, we get, we get jaded, we get uh, comfortable with it. And so it's not even a big deal. Like, so a lot of people go into depression after they attain something they've been working so hard for, because it's not in the thing, it's in the feeling, right? That's what we're really going for. But you got to give yourself permission to go after it. You got to give yourself permission to want what you really want and decide, like just decide to move in that direction. All right, so I hope that makes sense. This is a huge component of self-love because it ho helps to open up so many doors. And I'm saying this from my personal experience and then seeing this clinically with so many other people, when they start to decide what they really want and walk in that direction, 
they start to create a kinship with themselves. They start to develop more self-support, more self-love, more self-compassion by deciding what they want and moving in that direction. Now, another thing, obviously, with self-love and self-care is your nutrition, all right? And also, specifically, a lot of this is taking place in our mind, right? A lot of this is taking place in that real estate in our brain, specifically, and we want to make sure that we're getting some ideal nutrition and support for our brain. Now, there's one thing clinically proven to help to protect and even create something called neurogenesis, creating new neurons, all right, and specifically helping to protect your neurons. So protecting your brain from aging. And that is lion's mane, all right, lion's mane. This is a medicinal mushroom. I'm not talking about like literally like from a roar, like a lion, their mane, it's a type of mushroom. And I get my lion's mane from Four Sigmatic. And it's amazing, like I even had it today and it's a lion's mane coffee. So organic coffee, lion's mane medicinal mushroom. And the University of Malaya found that lion's mane is clinically proven to be neuroprotective and even helps to reverse some of the um, uh, damage that can be done from actual trauma, right? There's very, very few things that we are aware of in science today that can do that. All right, so uh, foursigmatic.com forward slash model. So that's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash model. You get 15% off all of their mushroom coffees, their mushroom elixirs, their mushroom hot chocolates. All right, my wife is really into their matcha. They got a mushroom matcha mix and she's in love with that. And so we got that rich, rich, dense source of chlorophyll uh, going with that one. So I love them so much. I literally have Four Sigmatic every single day and everything I do has a purpose. So if you're not utilizing Four Sigmatic yet, I mean, you are really, really missing out. This is something very, very important and valuable moving forward. You know, we're getting so much more uh, science coming out about the benefits of these medicinal mushrooms from reishi and improving sleep quality to cordyceps and uh, improving athletic performance. And of course, lion's mane with imp literally improving your brain. So, and there's so many others, but head over, check them out, foursigmatic.com forward slash model for 15% off. And so we're going to close today with five steps to love and value yourself more. I'm going to give you some specific to do items to help to really make this a part of who you are. So number one, in the five steps to develop more self-love and self-value is to develop standards. All right, so this works both ways. Your self-love affects your standards and your standards affect your self-love. All right, so I want you to begin to cultivate standards in your relationships, all right? What you uh, will allow in your relationships, what you allow in your inner circle, all right? You literally are a part of your environment. Your environment becomes you and you become it. All right, now I'm talking about from the level of like mirror neurons and how your brain is literally creating synaptic connections based on what you're witnessing. And if you're witnessing drama, if you're witnessing uh, complaining, not enoughness, if you're witnessing, uh, you know, excuses, guess what? That's kind of going to be your culture. So starting to cultivate standards in your relationships. This doesn't mean to end your relationships. Uh, it's about communication, but sometimes that might be the case. You know, that might be just what the doctor ordered, but it's developing standards in that. And also in your health and fitness, you know, certain things, there are rules of health that I live by. And I did a show on that. I'll put that in the show notes for you. And those are my standards, you know? And so, so start developing standards. Number two on these five steps to love and value yourself more 
is to acknowledge positive feedback. All right, acknowledge the positive feedback from yourself and from others. All right, from others meaning when people are complimenting you, you know, you did a great job, um, you know, with the with the production, or you did a great job in coaching the the team, or you did a great job in uh, in teaching the class today, or whatever the case might be, or you you look beautiful today, right? Oh, oh my goodness, like you're glowing. Whenever you get these compliments, so often we don't acknowledge them. Like we push them to the side because we don't value ourselves, right? We're carrying around this perpetual sense of like, I'm flawed, which you are for sure. We all have flaws, but you're also beautiful. You're also amazing. And so when you can embrace and take in those acknowledge that those moments and acknowledge them, I think it's really, really uh, life-changing when you can consciously do it and catch yourself. Because I've, I've worked with people and then they would catch themselves doing it, brushing off the compliments, all right? And so and also just to point this out, women tend to have a little bit more issue with this, you know? So when you get that compliment that, you know, you, you're, you're, you're looking great or you're beautiful, take it in, you know? Just take a second and say, thank you. You know, I receive that, I really do, you know? Instead of just brushing it off, oh, this old dress, this was made by, uh, you know, gnomes back in 1947. All right, take it the compliment in. Don't brush it off. Like, oh, it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. You're a big deal. So I hope that makes sense. All right, now from yourself, also acknowledge the positive feedback from yourself. Um, professor of Human Development at the University of Texas in Austin, this is Dr. Neff, suggests that a set of exercises like writing yourself a letter of support, just as you might do to a friend you're concerned about, is one of the strategies here to develop more uh, self-love and self-affection, uh, listing your best and worst traits, all right? So it's not like, oh, you're just so amazing, but reminding yourself that nobody is perfect and thinking of steps you might take to help you to feel better about yourself are also recommended. So just thinking about steps to help, to you, to, help you to feel better about yourself. And so this is a great strategy here of giving some self-acknowledgement is writing a letter to yourself. Now, this can be like a simple, like maybe a love letter or a letter talking about, you know what, we've got this issue, but you know, I, I, I love you still. And this is just a, a part of your growth and development, framing it like that. Um, but also um, this can be something that's, this might sound a little bit more morbid, right? But even writing like an obituary for yourself. Now hear me out, this is creepy, I don't like it but I did this before. This was on the recommendation of Michael Hyatt in his book, Living Forward, which is really, really great book. There's exercise to do this. Like what would people say about you when you're no longer here? You know, and just like, you know, I'm, uh, so Shirley, you know, maybe I'm just gonna use the example of Shirley. All right, I don't know where this is coming from. Oh, I remember, this is crazy. I did not plan this. Shirley was like my first like, for real, real Valentine's Day crush, all right? Now here's the issue, Here's because the, there's an issue, all right? I was like 10, she was like 16, all right? So but she's a grown woman, all right? And I remember I went and bought the chocolates. I can remember seeing them, bought the chocolates, you know, had the whole like, I don't know what I was thinking, like how this was gonna work out, right? I'm a kid, I'm literally a kid. And we went to a skating rink, you know, it was like her family, and uh, my family, like, this was kind of like all of our, like, you know, this is a community. And uh, 
Shirley was, you know, skating with some other boy, you know, but he was 16, 17, you know, and I was just like so heartbroken and, you know, just silly stuff. But Shirley, wherever you are, you're lost. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, big love and uh, man, like she was just amazing. She was amazing. Just, you know, like our, our families were kind of uh, intersected. And so uh, thank you for the memories. She did show me a lot of love. And that's why, you know, I had this crush on her because like she gave me, like she made me feel important. She made me feel like I mattered, you know, and that's what, what can happen, you know, and, uh, you know, making a kid feel like they, they matter. So uh, now with that said, Shirley, actually, let's use a different name. All right. Uh, Mary, we'll use Mary. And Mary, uh, Mary was a great spirit. Mary was very giving and loving, and she was always there for her friends. Uh, Mary did an exceptional job in the pet shop that she worked at. You know, she always made sure that the kittens felt at home while they were there, whatever, all right? Now, so I'm getting into a whole story, all right? But bottom line is like writing what people would say about you when you're no longer here. So it's just another little exercise that you could do, but I highly encourage the strategy of writing yourself a love letter, all right? This can be one of those things that helps to flesh out and get your things that are in the background of your mind out to the front and how valuable you are, all right? Number three, in these five steps to self-love and to value yourself more is to practice self-care. All right, practices, let me put this, make it, put an S on it, practices of self-care. And please hear this. This is a practice. This isn't like something that is just automatic. You do it one time or a couple of times you got it. It's a practice of self-care. So it goes both ways. Your self-love affects your self-care and your self-care affects your self-love. So have practices of self-care. Maybe these are, uh, you know, implementing strategies of having uh, daily exercise or, you know, a daily walk or, you know, making sure that you're drinking water when you wake up each day or making sure that, you know, at least once a week you are um, doing like a, a magnesium soak, right? Taking a nice hot bath and relaxing or uh, practice of meditation. But it's having these practices of self-care start to influence your mind and your psyche to let you know that you love yourself. All right, so that's number three. Number four here on the five steps to self-love and to value yourself more is to forgive yourself. Part of the reason that we struggle to really move on to higher levels and to really embrace our opportunity in life is that we're not forgiving ourselves for the things that we've you know, been through or, or done in the past, all right? So to give an example specifically for this one is not forgiving yourself for not loving yourself, all right? Now you gotta really, really get this because this can be a problem. That can be added to the fuel and the fire of why you don't love or support yourself is that you're mad at yourself because you weren't doing those things, all right? Now, I'm saying, bringing this up because this can happen. So I want you to forgive yourself for not loving yourself. I want you to forgive yourself for not having that self-support. I want you to forgive yourself for not recognizing your innate value. I want you to forgive yourself for not recognizing and loving the things that you're good at. I want you to forgive yourself for not recognizing and embracing your gifts. I want you to forgive yourself for not loving and admiring and respecting your progress and your, your ability to overcome. 
I want you to forgive yourself for those things and start now by forgiving yourself. This opens the opportunity to start doing all of those things. All right. So that's number four is to forgive yourself. Number five, our final one here on these five steps to love and value yourself more is to be intentional. All right. Number five is to be intentional. Specifically, be intentional about having a meaningful, healthy life. It's not just going to happen on accident. You have to be intentional about that. You have to be intentional about valuing yourself. It's not just going to happen. You have to make it an intention that this is who I am. This is what I do. And this is how I'm moving forward in my life. All right. So be intentional. Everybody, I appreciate you so much for tuning into the show today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. And I hope that this opens up some doors for you. And I, I ask that you have some compassion on me for sharing uh, my story and, you know, some of these different areas and things that are difficult to talk about. And um, please understand that everything, again, that we go through helps to create that diamond, right? The pressure, the fire, the getting cut really helps to create something special. So don't shy away from it. You know, embrace it. When the things are happening, understand like, hey, this is a part of my story. I might not like this right now, but I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to be intentional and I'm going to make something special out of this. All right. And if you're not already aware, you've got, to, it's the hottest thing on the streets. It's the hottest thing on the streets. Model Mondays. Every Monday, I'm sending out a special email with three powerhouse nuggets. This can be uh, additional information from episodes of the Model Health Show, just more, it's more of the Model Health Show. This can be new books that I've come across with incredible research that I wanna share with you that I might not get a chance to talk about on the Model Health Show. Uh, this can be uh, resources and articles and new studies and all kinds of cool stuff, new gadgets that I might be experimenting with, just really great value. So make sure you're taking advantage of this every Monday, it's Model Mondays. Go to themodelhealthshow.com forward slash Mondays. All right, themodelhealthshow.com forward slash Mondays with an S and get hooked up. Become a part of this movement. This is, it's hot right now. I'm telling you, it's really, really cool stuff that I'm sharing each week. So make sure to head over and check that out. Guys, I've got some incredible guests and show topics coming up. And I promise you, we're just going to keep taking this to another level. All right, I appreciate you immensely. Take care, have an amazing day, and I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.